0: Our first movie is Back to the Future Part Two, and this is one of the goofiest movies I've seen in a long time. A convoluted comedy about two time travelers who mess up the future and go back to the past to try to patch things up and make them come out right. The movie once again stars Michael J. Fox as the bewildered hero and Christopher Lloyd as Doc Brown, who has invented a time travel machine and now brings Fox to the year 2015 for a quick fix on the life of his son.
1: God, he looks just like me. Within two hours of his arrest, Martin McFly, Jr. was tried, convicted, and sentenced to 15 years in the state penitentiary? Within two hours?
2: The justice system works swiftly in the future,
0: now that they've abolished all lawyers. The movie has fun with its vision of the future, including three-dimensional holographic movie ads. Eric still looks fake. Fox causes lots of trouble when he gets a sports almanac and realizes he could travel back in time and win lots of money on sports bets. Money! I can't lose. Money, up here! Tragedy strikes when Fox's arch enemy steals the sports magazine, goes back in time, becomes a millionaire, and in the new future, marries Fox's mother. Mom? Mom, that can't be you.
1: Yes, it's me, Marty. Are you all right?
0: I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just that you're so, you're so big. And so Fox and the Mad Professor have to go back in time once again to try to steal the almanac before the bad guy can start using it so the present will return to the way it ought to be. And if you're confused, so am I, and that's one of the charms of this movie as the characters shuttle back and forth trying to do a patch-up job on the tides of destiny. Back to the Future Part Two is not as good as the original 1985 film. It doesn't have the genuine human emotion of the earlier film when Fox tries to fix up a date between his own parents so that he'll be born. But it is a goofy and screwball movie, and I enjoyed it for what it is rather than in comparison with the earlier film. Well, I had the
1: same reaction to the comparison of the two. The first film had a heart to it, mm-hmm. and I don't think there's any reason why a screwball comedy couldn't take time out to have heart. In other words, I think this film would have been helped a great deal if it had a little heart to it. I think it would have been true to the original picture. Instead, I found this to be very gadget-filled uh, and, and really noisy in an unpleasant way. So that when I was watching it, I was seeing a lot of slapstick, uh, a lot of racing around. And the character of Biff, the enemy uh, of Michael J. Fox, is really the star of this second picture. I think the movie could have been called Biff in a way, because it's really, he dominates the whole action. And the Michael J. Fox character and his relationship with his parents, it's really just not there. The father isn't even there. And and so I really uh, found it kind of unpleasant to watch in a way. And I, I was looking forward to it, but uh, I didn't enjoy it at all.
0: I think maybe it will suffer because people remember that the first movie really did move them emotionally. This no. is an entirely different movie. And not as with good. An entirely, and not as good, but still okay. Not for me. Oh yes, yes. I'd recommend it. I'd recommend it for exactly what it is. and what One of the things I liked was Christopher Lloyd racing around back and forth through time. He changes something here. It comes out different there. He moves back here. Michael J. Fox steals the Almanac in the future. Biff gets it from Michael J. Fox goes back to 1955, that changed to 1985, yeah, right they're right. racing around, and that's really the charm of the movie, is it just in its zaniness. Except that when
1: I started to talk about the noise factor of the film and the physical action, hard action, you seem to be nodding in agreement that that's sort of unpleasant.
0: Oh, no, no. Well, of course, it's a noisy, action-filled film. What's wrong with that?
1: Well, when, it, when the noise doesn't mean anything to you, no, then that it doesn't mean something to me. Not I mean, to me. It
0: wasn't that noisy.
2: Dearest mother, you didn't think you were not going to hear from me this year, did you? Well, as I am sure you know, for the past week, I've been celebrating Back to the Future Part 2 with the return of Marchie McFly. I never heard from you during last year's celebration, but something tells me you were listening. I believe that something is called denial. But... I choose not to accept that. How meta of me. It's been a week, as I've already stated, and although this film is not as good as its predecessor, I am still enjoying myself quite a bit. I hope you and Father are faring well. I cannot be certain, as my last few letters have been returned to sender, that sender being me. But... Hopefully this time, things will be different, and we can connect, and you can finally say those words I've been waiting to hear my entire life. Yes, I admit, I am legally your birth mother. Ah, a boy can dream. Anywho, I'll be here all month long doing this if you wanted to stop by, or or call, or write, or cancel that restraining order. The ball's in your court, Toots. Until then, you know where to find me. Sincerely, your son, Michael, March 7th, 2020. Again. Watching one movie and podcasting about it Every day in March It's back to the future too So listen each day or at least try As I bring you year two of Marchy Make It's my McFly fly. g McFly
0: Fly. It's my g McFly
2: Fly. Oh my g McFly Fly. you still there? I know eight minutes have gone by before I actually really technically start the show, but I wanted to play that old Siskel and Ebert and, um, you know, that other thing. Well, I don't want to talk about it too much. It's very personal. Um, And I'm I'm sorry you had to hear that. But here we are, folks, a full weekend. This is day seven. Uh, It's Monday, March 7th, 2022. And guess what I did this morning? That's right. I had breakfast burritos. But guess what I also did? I walked my dog, and around the corner of my house, she pulled out what appeared to be part of a rabbit's tail. And I was like, well, that's not good luck. The rabbit's foot is good luck. Actually, what happened is I freaked out. And this thing, it's, it's, at first I thought it was like a, some sort of weevil or some sort of animal, but it was just, I think, part of a squirrel or rabbit's tail. She dropped it quickly, I think because of my shrieks. And after I walked her, I I was like, i got to get rid of this thing. I was afraid to pick it up. I was afraid to put gloves on and pick it up. I was afraid to use a bag and pick it up. So I grabbed a shovel and I kind of picked it up and ran to the woods and flung it as far as I could into the woods. Um, I'm not what you would call an outdoorsy, brave, uh, um, stereotypical macho man. Um, you know, the machoist I can be is like, Ooh, yeah, you know, um, you know, dropping elbows off the top rope. But, um, the, the rabbit's, uh, tail. Yes. That, that scared me, but you know, what didn't scare me watching back to the future again for the seventh day way to bring it back, Mike. Um, so I'm excited to talk to you. I, I, I took some notes and there are a few things that, um, I want to, um, that, that Again, I, I go back and I said, wait a minute, what about this? So I write a note about it. But then I want to focus also on um, 1985 and what happened after uh, Marty got clunked on top of the head. When he wakes up, we get another call back to the original Back to the Future where Marty got hit by uh, his grandfather. And when he woke up, he thought everything was a dream. Only to discover he was in 1955, and for some reason his high his mother in high school um, had a voice like this just for two seconds. Uh, where in 2015 he wakes up, hears his mother again, and says, "Oh, I had a, I had a nightmare or a dream of some sorts," and she says, "You're safe now on the 27th floor. 27th floor." So it's another exact callback, except this time he doesn't get up and say, you're my ma, you're my ma. He's like, you have giant boo, you have big, big boo, boo. Uh, Because this time he's on the 27th floor of Biff's building. And he wakes up to find his mother in uh, some sort of wild cocktail dress with her uh, bosom abundantly uh, different than um, what it was in the original timeline her hairs all very 1980s teased up uh, and she just looks like she's had a lot of, a lot of plastic surgery mostly in as I said her uh, her booby area uh, and Marty's like you, you 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 you're so big and uh, at at this point we see uh, Biff come in and Biff what I've noticed in this 1985, he has a different voice, kind of. It's like much deeper, where in the beginning, he's like, Marty, Marty, I want to show you my new matchbooks. Uh, his voice what his voice is a little different. No, I'm thinking, okay, he lived a harder life. He had more excess, so that's why his voice sounds different. Um, so I took some notes. Oh, wait, where are my notes? I know there are some notes that have nothing to do with um today's um episode. Oh, here's the the only one that that's kind of going back to 19 to 2015. I wrote, "How did Marty pay for the almanac?" So, he must have used the $50 bill that Doc gave him. That's the only money he had that would have been good in 2015. Well, actually no, that's that's not true because he could have had 30-year-old money. So if Marty had money on his own, okay, that's how he could have paid for it. Or he could have used the $50 because he clearly didn't use the $50 to pay for that Pepsi Perfect. He, he, he opened it. I don't even know if he drank it. Then they smashed up Eighties and he ran for his life. So he didn't pay for that. Um, but if he did, he would have had some change and enough to pay for the Almanac. So the Almanac, if he used that $50 bill, would only have been 50, less than $50 for an antique um, but it still has fifty years of sports statistics, you know, in in tiny lettering in, in six pages of, of content. Um, so I just I just wrote that down. Uh, and okay, uh, so Biff comes in and we learned that Marty. He's like, "What the hell are you doing here? You're supposed to be in Switzerland." So in this timeline, Marty uh, is a is in boarding school in Switzerland. So my thinking is there is another Marty in Switzerland right now. This timeline is is a new timeline that they don't belong in. So they came back to a timeline that there's a different Marty and a different dock. There is no time machine. Um, they've created this new point in time. Well, actually, Biff did in 1955. So somewhere in Switzerland right now, there's a young Marty McFly getting into trouble, getting into hijinks, probably beating up um, other Swiss students. They're like, yeah, you are chicken. I don't know how Swiss people sound. And um, he's like, ah, nobody calls me chicken. And they're fighting with with um, with, with various boarding school kids. Um, but Biff uh, pays for, um, basically pays for him and all the kids. Because uh, Marty, Biff says something like, oh, you know, you're, you're you're a bum just like your old man, and and Lorraine's like you never talk about George like that. You'd never be uh, the man George is. He shoves her to the ground, basically. You know he 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 physically abuses her. Marty calls him a son of a bitch, and uh, then he punches him in the stomach, and. She's like, that's it. I'm out of here. It's over. He's like, oh yeah, yeah. Wh- where are you gonna go? You know, I'm, who's gonna pay for your jewelry? Who's gonna pay for everything? Who's gonna pay for your, for your cosmetic surgery? She's like, you can keep these. You wanted them. You can have them. She's showing again, her, uh, bosom, and then he's like, I'm not only gonna cut you off. I'm gonna cut off your kids. And she's like, you wouldn't. And I'm thinking, well, why wouldn't he? Uh, but he's like, uh, Linda. Forget about her credit cards. She can pay her debt all herself. And and Dave's probation, I'll have it revoked. Because, you know, he he says later he owns the police. Uh, so Linda is someone who just likes to spend, spend, spend. And Dave, my goodness. He isn't, um... He didn't seem like he's faring very well. Um, I don't know if it's since his since his father's uh, demise. Uh, his father's murder. Even though I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, the, uh... There is a deleted scene with Dave in it. Um, I'm going to do an episode on deleted scenes, you know, in the future. Uh, I don't remember the specifics of it. I feel like it's it's outside of um, Biff's pleasure palace. Something. I don't know if it's related to the school burning. No, I th- I feel like he sees them and he he sees Dave for a bit, and uh, it's um, Mark McClure back, um, but that scene got deleted. Uh, there's no scene of Linda as far as I can tell. So they did not ask um, the actress. Is it Wendy Jo Serber? The late Wendy Jo Serber. I think I have it right. Uh, she was not able to come back or didn't come back. Um, and one thing I wrote down was I thought it would have been really fun to um, if we find that there's like this little shit, this like 10 year old kid who's got, like, blonde hair, and he's a little punk. Uh, and we find out that Biff and Lorraine had a kid. So Marty has a half-brother who's this more like Biff. He's a real jerk. He's a real, like, um, just a real a-hole. He's a tiny Biff, and Biff loves him. Biff, you know, dotes on him, and he's wonderful to this kid because this is his kid. I thought that would have been a, a fun little thing where, who's this guy? What are you doing here, brother? And it's like, Brother? And um, you know something like that would have been fun, Uh, but then I guess you could you could risk saying, well, uh, in the real timeline, that boy's never born. Okay, that that's that happens. Uh, Marty was almost never born. That was the whole crux of the first movie. So I think that would have been a cool little improvement to, and that would have um, also kept uh, another reason why Lorraine was still around, not just for the money. You know, because right now it seems like she's there for the con- marriage of convenience for her kids. But her kids don't seem to be doing much well with it. So, uh, you know, if, if she had a little son who she loved, but, you know, was more like Biff, I think that would have been that would have been pretty funny. So uh, Biff threatens Lorraine. And then, uh, then it's the, this the most depressing part of the movie when um, she's like uh, he was wrong. I was right like it was just so sad seeing her kind of covering for this abusive husband being like he's my husband and I should respect him oh that was just like I feel like that was that was um, Leah Thompson's best acting in almost all three movies because I was like oh don't don't say that that's terrible and that's when uh, Marty's like what the hell what did you why 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 did you leave dad we leave your father what are you talking about where is where is my dad George, your father, is in the same place he's been for the last 12 years. Oak Park Cemetery. Oh. And I do, one other thing, I do like that, Um, she's like, what are you talking about with your father? They must have hit you, they must have hit you really hard this time. This time. Meaning, these things have happened before. Marty has had run-ins with security. These security guards are beating up a 15-year-old, 16-year-old, then they finally throw him in Switzerland. These are all my assumptions um but i thought that was kind of a clever funny little thing just a little thing where i go wait a second this time how many times does this happen so he finds out his father is dead he goes to the cemetery and doc meets him there he's like oh this is where i figured you'd be really like you didn't think to just go to biff's first or something um you feel like right away those two should have been like what the hell let's reconnect but they don't reconnect they go to um, they go to he goes to the cemetery and then Doc goes to the cemetery where they see that George had died. They go back to la, la, um, Doc's lab and uh, they see the lab's a mess. and I think the lab's a mess because in this timeline we find out that Doc doesn't have a time machine. Doc is in a psychiatric hospital. We see that he's been um, institutionalized. We see that on the front of a newspaper. I couldn't make out the year in the newspaper, but he says, you know, we can't go back to the to the future because it's now the future of this timeline where you you know your, your mother's married to Biff, and this happens to me. I couldn't quite make out the year uh, in the movie, but I looked up online to find it looks like scans of the newspaper, and um, it says Emmett Brown committed. Hill Valley Telegraph. Now, there's other things on this newspaper that I want to talk about um, in the future, because I want to do a whole thing on the newspapers we see. But um, it says, Embert Brown committed crackpot inventor declared legally sane. And that makes the front page of the uh, Hill Valley Telegraph. But here's the interesting thing. It says the year, it says May 23rd, the year 1983. So actually, it kind of makes sense. Um, that this happens before he has a chance to build the time machine. Uh, so he maybe he's in his, it, 1955, the flux capacitor, all that happens because it happened. Um, it happens in every timeline that we see. But he never got a chance to fulfill his, uh, his lifelong dream, probably because he um, he gets committed now, think about this old Biff warned young Biff of a wide-eyed doctor now maybe he didn't know that Doc Brown and Marty were friends but he was probably pretty sure that um, at some point the Doc Brown was the guy who was going to um, who was going to you know ask about the almanac so, I'm going to make a pretty bi- uh, safe assumption that uh, inventor Dr. Emmett L. Brown was uh, committed because of Biff. Now, there are, there's an article there. I want to read the article, see, see what the actual uh, wording is. But again, that's for the newspaper episode. I've bookmarked this, and, and I will get back to this for sure because that looks uh, like a fun thing to do in both of them because we see we see three different newspapers in this uh, movie well, we see four technically um, because we see the uh, the one on Strickland's porch but that doesn't matter we see three newspapers that we see the the covers of and have very interesting or important stories right on the front page uh, and all of those change so it'll be fun to compare the originals to the new ones Uh, But that's going to be in the newspaper episode in the future. So uh, Doc does a little investigating and finds out that Biff um, made his first bet winning uh, money, his first winning bet in 1958. And they said, look at this. And they zoom in on the on the paper and says, look, it's the it's the almanac. And then he shows I found the bag from the antique store, the receipt, and Biff's cane. And that's when they realize old Biff went back to the past. That's when they realize everything that happened. And Marty's like, it's all my fault. And I would have been like, yeah, Marty, it is all your fault. Um, but it's also Doc's fault for trusting a 17-year-old kid with all this responsibility. So he's like, we need to go back to 1955 or to 19." We need to go back to the past. They don't know exactly when yet, and figure out exactly when uh, Doc, um, I mean when when Biff start got the the almanac and take it back from him. And um, we need to know when he got it. And Marty's like, I'll ask him. Now before that, let me just let me just think. Ask uh, mention something. Why do they have to? go ask him they know he makes his first bet in 1958 now if they go back unless he made copies uh in in the 50s i don't think he did because he's biff uh why don't they just go back to like the day before this bet and steal it or you know figure out where he is and steal it from him or go back and shoot him i don't know i know they're not going to do that uh, like, why do they have to go back to the exact moment he got it to take it from him? Well, they don't get it from the exact moment. But I guess what they're trying to they want to make sure he has it. He doesn't have it at all. And also, um, well, why does he make his first bet in 1958? Mar- Marty goes back to see um, Biff and they Biff's watching um, with a couple of floozies in a hot tub. He's watching a Clint Eastwood movie, which, again, is foreshadowing for Back to the Future Part 3. And he's like, what are you doing in here? How would you get past my security? Uh, and I didn't come up with this. I read this on another website. This was a nice little Easter egg. How would he get past the security? Well, obviously, he flew in with the DeLorean. So we know that the DeLorean, you know, Doc is out there with the DeLorean. That's a, a I, I think, either that or it's just, you know, it it can it fits. If it, if it was planned or not, it fits. Um, so... He's like, I need to ask you about Gray's Sports Almanac. And they, um, you know, he, he's like, I, how, did it, how did you get it? He's like, well, you know what? Uh, one day a kid or crazy old scientist is going to come snooping around. And uh, this old man told me, if they do, tell them everything in detail. Let me tell you the exact day that I got this. Even though I know someone's going to be asking about it someday. Even though I had a doc uh, committed, probably. Um, I'm here. I'm going to tell you everything you need to know so that, um, you know, someday... I don't know if it'll be bad or not. What could you do about it? It's 30 years in the past, but I'm going to tell you every detail. So I just thought that was kind of like, why Why would he tell him everything? He conveniently says, uh, it was November 12th, 1955. That was the, the year of the big lightning storm. And, you know, he knows about the manure. Biff tries to cover for it. That was kind of fun. But then we realize... This Biff is way worse than any other Biff. He's not just a jerk. He's not just a bully. He's a murderer. Uh, as he attempts to, uh, he pulls out a gun. He's like, you know, I, I never thought it would be you to come in, to come at me. And he pulls the gun out. And Biff, uh, Marty's like, wait, um, wait, Biff, you forgot one thing. And of course, Biff always falls for this. He's like, what's that? Biff turns his head. Marty flings this, um, this. Metal matchbook holder. But be- before he takes the matchbook, he flings the matchbook holder at uh, at Biff. And I thought, I wrote down, what if that worked? What if he looked? He flings the matchbook at him. The the matchbook, metal matchbook, um, embeds itself into Biff's neck. He's like, oh, 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 and then just blood gushing out, and Biff just just bleeds out to death. And. Um, they, then the cop, like the security comes in and they're like, what, what did you do? What are you, he's dead. Biff's dead. And Lorraine's like, what did you do, Marty? What are we going to do? Our future, everything. You killed your father. He's not my father. Then he goes back in time and fixes everything. But I realized just, um, maybe that would have been a little too much, but I don't I just pictured like he hits him with it. And then he's like, and Biff, Marty's like, holy shit. I just killed a man. And it, sh- it changes Marty forever. He's like, I don't, I can't do this anymore, Doc. Uh, killing k- k- killing a person changes a man. Uh, uh, Marty, what are you talking about? Um, but he doesn't. Biff gets away. Marty gets shot at like four or five times. Uh, he makes it to the roof, even though the, 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 the flunkies chase him one direction. He gets to the roof in another direction. And um, Biff sees him go to the roof. And he's like, this is when Biff... Um, also, uh, confesses that he's like what, two McFlies with the same gun. He confesses he killed his old man. Then Marty jumps off the roof, and Biff's reaction is actually one of my favorite things in the movie. He's like, "Huh? What? Huh?" Um, then of course Marty like really smoothly jumped off the building. Then, um, and as I said, I love Biff's reaction. But what if right when Marty flew right back up? Do, um, Biff was like, "Whoa!" and then bang, just shot him right then and there. Marty tumbles off the the DeLorean, falls to his death, uh, and Doc is like in shock. And then he looks at Doc and goes, "Bam, bam!" shoots him twice too, and then lives on to uh, just enjoy, uh, you know, uh, gambling for the next fifteen years of of winnings. Um, I don't know. I thought that that would be uh, that would be a depressing ending, and then the credits just roll, and there is the end. It says. Um, that's, 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 the, uh, that's like the Scorsese version of Back to the Future 2. Um, what else? What else? What else? Uh, there are a few other things I want to do, but I'm not going to do them today. I'm going to hold off on them uh, until tomorrow. Um, but one thing, and I think I might have mentioned this already. Forgive me if I did. This movie, you know, Marty is the, I said this already, I know I have, but the more I watch it, Tom Wilson is this movie he plays he plays Griff he plays old Biff he plays young he plays um, young Biff he plays middle-aged Biff two versions of middle-aged Biff he is all over this movie and he does a great job um, playing just different versions of different characters some of mostly of the same character some of in you know, a whole different you know, different version uh, grandson of himself uh, and we get to see it again in the third one but you know, as much as the first movie was really George McFly's journey, this is kind of Biff's uh, Biff's tale. Uh, you know, in, in, in Back to the Future, one punch turned Biff from this jerk bully into kind of this groveling yes-man for George McFly. But um, we realize how easily swayed he is because now becoming, um, you know, Becoming a successful gambler and be turning into into a successful businessman has turned him uh, in, into a a um, greedy, abusive murderer. Like he went from oh, I was just a jerk, bully, okay, to now he's like he's he's pure evil. And um, that young version of Biff, you know, they was, he was just kind of a jerk. He lived with his grandmother. He probably had it rough. Um, you can't blame everything. On, on, you know, that that kid. But my goodness, what this Biff turned into. Just diabolical. Right? Right. <laughs> and with that, my friends, I am done. Um, that's it. Monday in the books. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for subscribing. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Geek Mentality. The Facebook page is fans not experts and the website of course is fansnotexperts.com. Seven days in the books. Uh if you can okay, 31 minus seven. So you got 30, 29. So you get 31, 30, 29, 28, 27, 26, 25. So I have 24 days to go if I my calculate and I'm counting on my fingers because I'm really good at mathematics. Um, so yeah, 24 days of Marchie McFly left. I oh, only have 24 days left. How can I fit everything in? We'll see. I have no idea. <laughs> okay, folks, until tomorrow, you know the drill. Here is my theme song. This is my podcast. I made it. Geek Mentality is what I named it. And I think you should listen and subscribe. Cause I'm kinda funny and awesome, I think that I'm worth your time, and I'm kinda handsome. My mom says, please listen and please subscribe, at least listen to this episode. oh Not Experts.